el primero de mayo. <laughs> oh, hurry up and get in here. Hurry up and get in here. Hit that like button on your way in. You know how we do here. I am the Sandy. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. Sandy's my junior. This is week 17 of the football kickback, where I recap all of today's NFL action from the 1 p.m. slate and the 4 p.m. slate on here. We do it in reverse. We recap the 4 o'clock games since those just ended, and then we transition into the 1 p.m. games. But can you feel it? Can you feel it? Teams are being eliminated. We are getting that much closer to playoff football. Only one more week, a week that after today's action could be a lot of mid, could be a lot of resting starters, but does have a couple of pivotal games that could decide playoff spots. But as we always do, we begin with the four o'clock slate. We have four games to go through on the four o'clock slate and then a slew in the one o'clock slate. A bunch of those were mid. We'll fire through those, but two games out of the four and the four o'clock slate really had a lot of playoff implications on the line and we have to go. Well, first let's, let's go ahead and get the playoff picture out the way. We did that last week. People seem to respond to that. Let's get the updated up to the minute, up to the minute, 2022 NFL playoff picture. Let me pull this up here on the screen. Let me get this set up. You know how we do it here. I show y'all the screen and boom, here we go. So this is up to the moment. Despite what happened today, the Eagles are still entrenched at the number one spot. Then we had the San Francisco 49ers in at the number two slot. The Vikings three. Bucks. Huge win today for the Bucks. They're now at the four. Dallas Cowboy fans, how y'all feeling? Dallas Cowboy fans over there at the five. At the five seat, at the five spot. And no real chance to win the division, but a slight chance to maybe get higher up. It's a lot of scenarios that have to happen. If the Vikings trick it off, the Cowboys could get as high as three. We'll see. The New York football giants clinch a playoff berth. I, th I thought at, at the beginning of this year, they could have like really gotten into a 12 and five type season. Right now they're at nine, six and one after a big win today. So they're in the mix. They'll probably be able to, you know, lock in that spot and they're not dangerous. You know, we'll, we'll get to who's dangerous and who's not. But look, salute to the Giants for just getting there. The whole NFC East had the easiest division. This is something that normally when we hear the experts, when we hear the pundits and feel free to tap in, whether you're watching this live or on the replay, I'm always in the comments. I can always get, get back to you and go back and forth or if you're here live. Definitely tap in and, you know, check that donate button down there in the bottom in the uh, description there. But when it comes down to no experts, no pundits have been talking about the fact that the whole NFC East has the easiest schedule in the entire league. Yet everyone seems to be surprised that there's one, two and three teams from the NFC East that have made the playoffs. It's amazing to me how we're just skating over the fact that. These teams have the easiest schedule in all of football, but get a whole division almost made it. And the reason why it's almost is because the Washington commanders tricked it off again. Ron Rivera, they're calling for his head in Washington. They're calling for his head in Chocolate City. They want Ron Rivera gone because of the fact that he went back to Carson Wentz when, you know, Taylor Heineke, he was, you know, he was above average. He damn sure wasn't no Carson Wentz, and that's the problem. Carson Wentz is out here. A lot of picks today. They were booing him. They were chanting for Heineke. We will get there, but there, there's a lot to get into here. But this playoff picture, the Seattle Seahawks take care of business. They beat the Jets, put the Jets out the pasture, and now almost cement themselves into that last playoff spot. But on their heels, the Lions and the Green Bay Packers. This says on the bubble, you know, here on NFL.com, but they are not on the bubble. The Packers are in the driver's seat in regards to how things set up going into next week. We will get there. And over in the AFC, things remain pretty much chalk, except for you have the Chiefs taking over the number one slot, but the Bills play tomorrow night on Monday Night Football. We'll get there. Uh, so we won't know what happens there, but Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. 
Those are your top three. We have the Ravens. They're playing tonight on Sunday Night Football. They're playing the uh, their hated rivals, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then you have, you know, the Chargers who they take care of business, gave up a lot of rushing yards. We'll, we'll get there. It's a lot there. But in the hunt, in the AFC, Patriots, big win today. Put the Dolphins on the bubble, as you see here on the screen. But the Patriots sneak in there, get a big dub at the crib. Now they're right there with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who, I mean, the Texans look like they quit today. I'm a big fan, or at least I used to be a big fan of Lovey Smith when I used to have, you know, the illness of his fandom when I was a Chicago Bears fan. But the Texans look like they either turned up too much for New Year's Eve or maybe they quit on Lovey. I'll leave it up to you to decide. Let me know in the comments. Did the Texans quit today or were they turned up too much for New Year's Eve? Well, let's go ahead and get into these games. Let's go ahead and start with Minnesota Green Bay. That was the big game. I don't know if this counts as prime time Kirk Cousins because it was the fourth, the 425 start, but it was the game of the week. A lot of promo, a lot of hype, a lot of circumstance. And the Vikings look like the mid-Vikings. If they're not playing the close game, it was a great stat. 11-0 in games decided by one possession, by one score. That means all their losses have been essentially blowouts or by double digits at the minimum. And today was no different as 41 to 17, the Green Bay Packers take care of business. And you can't even chalk it up to a vintage Aaron Rodgers performance. Can't even do that. You got mid Kirk Cousins. He went out there for a little bit. You thought he might have been hurt. Justin Jefferson, a lot of hype, a lot of fluff. He puts up a lot of numbers, so we can't kill him too much. But in regards to your team needing you in a big spot, nowhere to be found. I was at all. Alexander today? Or did he just get clamped by a scheme, by a system? I didn't see anything that made me want to lean one way or the other. But you can't argue this is a guy that I believe was the last week on the stream where we looked it up and he had 16 targets. 16 targets. And we're looking at him today. Five targets. You go from 16 targets to five. Cinco the next week. That's a humongous drop-off for a guy that People low-key were kind of starting to stir the pot and say maybe he should be in the MVP conversation. You go from 16 targets. It was, I believe it was him and TJ Hawkinson last week had 16 targets, and I believe Kirk Cousins had 52 pass attempts. Well, now, today, 31 pass attempts at Lambeau for Kirk Cousins, but only five of those targets went to Justin Jefferson. So who was it today? Today was TJ Hawkinson had another 12. So clearly he's going to get double digit targets to TJ Hawkinson. He has, apparently he has that type of uh, rapport with TJ already. You know how I do here on the live stream. And if you knew, I don't consider you a bona fide number one receiver unless you consistently get 10 targets, 10 plus targets a game. So Justin Jefferson, fresh off 16 targets, and he's been at least double digits over the last, I would say, seven, eight weeks in a row. But when it comes down to today, only five. Was that scheme? Was he checked out? Did he find somewhere in Green Bay to turn up for New Year's? I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm not going to sit here and speculate, but clearly something was not right. He was very frustrated. I don't know if your man's Alexander got in his head, but when you look at it here, how can you have Justin Jefferson? Imagine if you're in a fantasy a fantasy football playoffs, a championship, and you have Justin Jefferson, and he's been dominant the entire year. And then he goes out there today in one catch for 15 yards in your championship. Scary hours if you had Justin Jefferson. Uh, but let, let's go over here. I think this game had more to do with the Packers' defense and clearly special teams. The Packers have unearthed their own Devin Hester. They have unearthed hit their own Devin Hester and his Kaysan Nixon. I'm not even going to try to get too wrapped up into how he's been able to just, you know, take the league by storm. And it's now back-to-back -back games of housing one on kickoff returns. But that's a weapon in the playoffs. That is a weapon. He is, he is a factor. I mean, Devin Hester carved out damn near a Hall of Fame career from doing what Nixon has been able to showcase over the last, you know, over this last half of the season. And they're going to unleash him in the playoffs, I believe, even more. 
Because that's the thing with Hester. When Hester was doing it, came in as a DB. He wasn't really a DB. They just needed to give him a position so that I could just make sure he's on the field. And then they really just wanted him on punt returns and kick returns. Then once he showed that he could be dynamic even at this level, now they had to find a way to pivot him to receiver and try to work in some trick plays. Are the Packers going to do that here? Are the Packers going to try to find a way to get Nixon some touches just to get the ball in his hands? Because clearly, when you get the ball in his hands, pause, this is what he could do. He can house it. Every time he touches it, he can house it. So that's a weapon you can unearth, and those are the types of guys that can change the course, not just changing field position. That He's the type of player that can change the course of a game, change the course of a, a momentum switch, uh, sw- switch, if you believe in that. Like What Nixon is able to do right now is something I haven't seen since Devin Hester. And that's high praise coming from someone who used to subscribe to fandom for the Chicago Bears. Uh, speaking of subscribe, you can subscribe to the channel. Go ahead and hit that. Whether it's uh, live or on a replay, you can go ahead and just hit that subscribe button. Thank you. Uh, but this game here, clearly there was a lot going on. If you look at the Packers in terms of their rushing numbers, that's where, where when the weather gets bad, we know how it is, Lambo, the frozen tundra, all of that. But look at what you're able to do here with Aaron Jones. We know Aaron Jones can be a 20-plus carry back, but you don't even need him to, and you still get a buck 11. A buck 11 on 14 carries, you get A.J. Dillon there, who is their short yardage guy, especially down there on the goal line, and he's just a, a hard guy to bring down. So between the two of them, they get 26 carries for a buck 52. 26 carries, a buck 52, and a touchdown. That's your running game. And... If they can do that, Aaron Rodgers could be mid because Aaron Rodgers was certainly mid today. When you look at, again, targets, who got the most targets? Alan Lazard. I know Christian Watson's been hot as of late, you know, only five targets. Tunyon, four targets. Randall Cobb, you know, Aaron Rodgers' man's two targets. So they, they had nothing to do with the air today. It was not an air attack. It was all about that ground game and all about the fact of the Packers defense absolutely putting the clamps on the entirety of the Vikings. Not just Kirk Cousins with the three picks, as you see here. Not just, you know, Dalvin Cook only getting nine carries. And they shut that run down early. I'll say that. I I was clamoring last week after Kirk Cousins in the 52 pass attempts. I was clamoring for them to at least try to run the ball more with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is too good just to have him, you know, just only getting a a handful of touches. And they tried early. They just could get nothing going on the ground. So they went away from that, and then they tried to air it out. But when you can't, when when no one's respecting the run, when you don't have any semblance of trying to run, and then you put yourself in that position where you have to air it out, maybe that's why your man's Justin Jefferson only gets, you know, five targets and only one catch on that. That's... Man, that's that's really bad for someone. You talk about a fall from grace in just a week. Has that type of game last week, 16 targets, ridiculous video game-like numbers. People are slowly trying to figure out if he's in the MVP conversation. And then the very next week, a lot of jewelry, does a lot of things, a lot of flamboyant things. He plays up the role of being that diva receiver. One catch, 15 yards. Five targets. If you're if you're a Vikings fan, and I don't know why you would be at this point, you should, you should kind of know how this movie ends. But if you were investing in this team, actually becoming something and actually changing the narrative of who Kirk Cousins has historically been and what this franchise overall has historically been, today was a step back. Humongous step back. Vikings go out there and lay an egg at Lambeau with a chance to with the Eagles losing. We'll get to that soon. With the Eagles losing, they had a chance to slide in there and potentially vie for the number one seed overall, and they spit the bit at Lambeau. So that's a big L for them. Huge win for the Packers. They set themselves up to be in a position where if they win, they're in. And that's huge if you have Aaron Rodgers and you're the Green Bay Packers. So that game was tremendous in terms of what it meant, not only for the top season NFC, but also for teams on the bubble in terms of eliminating teams as the Washington Commanders are now eliminated thanks to the Green Bay Packers. And sidebar, like I said, Ron Rivera, they're trying to get him up out of there. Ron Rivera didn't even know the playoff scenarios of how his team could be eliminated. He had no idea that if the Packers would beat the Vikings, that they would be eliminated. 
Another reason why they're probably calling for his head in the DMV tonight. So let's go ahead and go to Vegas. Vegas, the 49ers and the Raiders. This one was fun for a myriad of reasons. But let's start here. Derek Carr. Let me come off the screen here for a second. I'll get back to it in a second. Derek Carr, I've been talking about him ever since I started doing football kickback. And I've been asking y'all, is he top 10? Where does he rank? Can you win with him? Are, are the Raiders still a QB away? I've been talking about that a lot. And finally, Josh McDaniel had the cojones to bench Derek Carr. And now, Jarrett Stidham was your quarterback today for the Las Vegas Raiders. And people started hammering, hammering the 49ers and whatever point spread you can get as it ballooned up with the announcement of the benching of Derek Carr. And man, hope you got a low number because the Raiders kept it close and they forced this game to overtime and they damn near stole it. But the 49ers, I won't say championship grit because we just don't know about this team because they have Brock Purdy as great as he looked a few weeks ago when he first came out there and was, you know, game managing to an elite level. He has come back down to earth in a major way. And I don't know if it's him. I'm not ready to say he's tricking this off. I'm not ready to say that. I just think the league caught up to him a little bit. They finally got enough film to game plan what his strengths are because you just throw this dude out there, Mr. Irrelevant. You have no idea what he's capable of. And he went out there and played well. He made a couple of good throws, touch throws. And it was like, oh, we might have something here. Maybe we don't need Jimmy G. Maybe Trey Lance out there just having another surgery. All right, go ahead and have that second surgery because we got Purdy. We got a man's Purdy. But slow down because he did not look good. To, he did not look good today. He did not look, look good last week. And you have to start to wonder Will he be the reason why the 49ers with this talented roster, even without Debo Samuel, assuming they get Debo back in the playoffs, but as it stands right now, no Debo, but there's still a talented enough roster where they should just be able to just out-talent people. It's not even about this scheme, but then you add in the Shanahan scheme and his play-calling mastery, and then you're like, oh, well, this team should be running over fools. And this defense... This defense, that was the number one defense, number one ranked defense in the league. I think they've allowed the least uh, amount of points heading into heading into today. Uh, D'Amico Ryans is a guy that's going to be up for jobs, certainly this offseason. And that defense, they ran the ball on them a little bit. They were able to, um, they definitely were able. How can a scheme, and I think now, now we can get back to the screen here. How can a team that has the type of defense that the 49ers have with the type of skill set players that they have, how can he give up 153 yards and two touchdowns to Devontae Adams? Now, I'm not saying that as a person that went against someone in the fantasy football championship today with Devontae Adams. I'm not speaking from that perspective. I'm speaking from the perspective of that 49er defense is supposed to be top tier. It's supposed to be A1. Secondary included, not just a front line, even though, you know, Bolsa can get home with four. They got great linebackers. They got a good secondary. I won't say great. They got a good secondary. But I would say that front seven is where the, the, the bread and butter of this defense is. Be that as it may, the back four is not trash. D'Amico couldn't draw up something that could stop seven catches for a buck 53 and two tutties for Devonta Adams. Darren Waller looked good. Like, this is, this is the problem with the Raiders. These numbers you're seeing here on the screen, now, I would want more targets for Waller, clearly, but 11 targets for your number one receiver. So that's that, that gets the head nod for me. Like, okay, you're, you're doing the things you're supposed to do. Darren Waller is supposed to be one of those, like, hybrid, you know, receiver, tight end type dudes that can stretch the field vertically and, you know, out, out box out guys and do all of that type of dynamic playmaking stuff. I would want more than five targets, but those two, you should be able to put up yards. Then you add in, let's scroll up here, Josh Jacobs, even though he didn't have the type of, he didn't put up the type of numbers he has been as of late, he still gave you four yards a pop on 17 carries. 
he's usually the the guy that's been carrying this offense in terms of he's giving you a buck 15, buck 20, buck 30. Then he he had 302 yards or 303 yards all purpose just about a month and change ago. So Josh Jacobs has been the one along with Devonta Adams. And I was with Derek Carr. But Derek Carr, when he has Waller and Devonta Adams, just hasn't been able to get both of them involved. Your man's Jared Stidham goes out here today, finds a way to get two tutties for Devonta and a tutty for Darren Waller. Derek Carr, I think you've played your last game in Las Vegas, sir. I think it's a wrap for that. Good guy. He stood up for Henry Ruggs with, with all that stuff that happened last year, and he was 10 toes down for Henry Ruggs. So I'll forever give him some, some props for that. But in terms of playmaking ability, in terms of being a QB, in terms of all of that, I think it's time. I think it's time the Raiders move on from Derek Carr. And clearly, even though we know Jarrett Stidham is nowhere near the answer, if you could keep finding a way to getting Devonta Adams and Darren Waller into the end zone week after week, then you deserve a chance to start for that Las Vegas Raiders team, no matter who the coach is. But this 49ers thing, McCaffrey, 19, 19 carries, a buck 20. Gets a tutty. Uh, he was dynamic in the passing game, so almost 200 yards all-purpose for C-Mac. Brendan Ayuk stepping up in a big way, low-key. He's really been – he's not a number one, but he's playing like one in Debo Samuel's absence, 12 targets today. Number one receiver type. So, and, you know, Ray-Ray McLeod, a lot of speed. <laughs> a lot of speed. Just when he – even when he's running – he just looks to be a lot faster than everyone else that's there that's running after him. It's just a thing where his athleticism just kind of pops on the screen as opposed to other guys that when they get into open field. One thing I'll say, hopping off uh, Ray Ray, pause. Uh, George Kittle, eight targets, four catches. He gets a tutty. Uh, I'm a little concerned. <sighs> it's weird, right? Because let, let's go up here to Purdy. Purdy had 35 attempts, right? 35 attempts. Now, he had a pretty decent split in terms of he went to Ayuk 12 times, C-Mac 9 times, and then Kittle 8. I'm not mad at that breakdown. I would like, yeah, I can't get mad at that breakdown. I, I was going to go on a rant of I think Kittle need to be, needs to be more involved, but eight targets is, is good enough, I think. I'm just so used to just seeing Kelsey put up number one receiver type numbers that I'm like, well, Kittle has the same skill set. Kelsey might be slightly faster in like uh, straight line, front line speed, but in terms of physicality, I mean, Kittle's a better blocker. But yeah, I mean, I I'll fall back. I'll fall back off Purdy. I'll fall back off Purdy. Nice job di distributing the rock today. 12 targets for Ayuk, uh, nine for C-Mac and eight for Kittle. So I, I won't go crazy on that. Uh, the defense for the 49ers, the vaunted uh, number one ranked defense in the league. They forced a couple of turnovers. Um, the sacks weren't there today. Like, at all. That's the thing. When you have a Bosa, you kind of just assume you're going to be in that backfield. And I, they had some hurries. I mean, it's not like Jared Siddham was just chilling, marinating in the pocket. He did throw two picks, and I know for sure one of those was being uh, being flushed being hurried. So a bad week. Well, let's just chalk it up to a bad day for the vaunted 49er defense. I won't go too crazy saying, is this a, a crack in armor? I won't go that far, but they escape with the dub. They put themselves in position to potentially get the number one seed in the NFC. If things break right, I believe what they're sitting at, they're sitting at the second seat right now, right? Yep. They're sitting at the second seat right now. And the Vikings, even though they took that L, they're still in the mix to potentially get that number one seed as well. So, and the lowest of keys, Cowboys, still right there. It's amazing. The NFC, the NFC is just so, so amazingly bad. Um, okay, moving on. Seattle, Gino gets revenge on the New York Jets. The Jets are eliminated the Seattle Seahawks keep their playoff hopes alive, but they do have the Lions and the Packers on their heels. Geno, solid today. Nothing too crazy. 
Tyler Lockett, how he even suited up for this game is beyond me with what he had to go through just to get himself physically prepared uh, to play in this game. But you see what? Let me see and get myself out the way here. Yep, there you go for Geno. Two tutties, good QB rating. Mike White, the luster has certainly fallen off. Um, I don't know what happened to the Jets running game. Bam Knight was thought to be a, a revelation about a month ago, and it's been kind of basura especially over the last two weeks for him. And I'm not really sure what, what happened there. Uh, it's a lack of dedication to the run. Also, that Jets defense has just been bending. The Jets defense has been bending, and as much as people want to give hype to that secondary, and they, they you know, sauce is, the, sauce is the real deal. Not sitting here to throw shade at sauce. Um, I will say this, though. The mother dudes, they ain't no sauce. So, you know, I think your man's read is solid. He's really good. No, no, let me stop that. He's not solid. He's really good. Your man's read. Um, but, yeah, it's, I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors with that Jet defense. I think teams have slowly started to figure them out. Um, Kenneth Walker, man, he's going to be special. Kenneth Walker is going to be really special in this league. Buck 33, and it's effortless. I think what he took the first carry of the game for 60 yards. Just boom, quick, something light. Let's just go ahead and get the <laughs> – I'm just going to go ahead and press the issue on my first carry of the game. Go ahead and get a little 60-piece little, little off rip. Um, I think this this Seattle team is – hmm, they're not good, right? Like this is a surprise to all of us, probably even to Pete Carroll if you catch him in a moment of transparency. But I'll say this. They won't have a home game. So they won't have that whole vaunted 12th man or anything like that. But if Geno has Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and he has Kenneth Walker toting the rock like he has been, that's a hard out. They don't really they don't even really need that great of a defense, which they clearly do not have that great of a defense. They've lost too much over the last like four years to still have a good defense. But if I have DK Metcalf, even though he even though he only had five targets today, again, look look at this target ratio. Now again, this this is the Jets secondary, which is you know has has a reputation, especially with Sauce basically locking down one side of the field. The most targets went to Colby Parkinson. Right, DK Metcalf with five targets, Tyler Lockett two targets. DJ Dallas out the backfield with four targets. So the passing game was extremely limited as opposed to the Jets, who the numbers look okay for Mike White, you know, except the fact that he had zero touchdowns and two picks and a 47.4 QB rating. But in regards to looking at what Tyler Conklin has been able to do, CJ Uzoma, they, they got the double tight end thing there. They got Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson, 11 targets, only three catches. That's a problem. That's a problem. Denzel Mims, wasn't he supposed to be something? I don't know what's up with Denzel Mims. Anyway, so Seattle takes care of business. They set themselves up to be in the mix to get that, to secure the last playoff spot. It remains to be seen. I favor the, uh, the, the Packers over Seattle when it comes to who is in a better position. I believe the Packers just win and are in. I'll confirm that in a bit here, but... The last game for the 4 o'clock slate was not that much of a contest. The Los Angeles Chargers in the Battle of L.A. take down the L.A. Rams, who are creeping and crawling down to the finish. But, hey, maybe they found a running back. Maybe Gamaz McVay, you know, through no fault of his own because he tried to trade Cam Akers. It was the worst-kept secret in the league that he just basically uh, demoted Cam Akers to damn near scout team status. And now, all of a sudden... Cam Akers is out here putting up multiple 100-yard rushing games in, in consecutive uh, fashion. Like, he's just out here back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Let me see. How many games in a row is it? Let's see. Where's the game log here? Game log we have. He's put up at least 100 all-purpose in three games in a row. Uh, he's put up. A buck 32 games in a row. So over the last three weeks, Cam Akers has been the guy in the Rams backfield. And 
maybe that'll be something going forward because clearly they can't find nothing in the draft because they've mortgaged everything for that chip that they got last year. But Justin Herbert, Jay Herbo, did you like what, what you saw today? 28 pass attempts, concise. That's what I like today. If, if you're a Chargers person, if you're a Jay Herbo person, you saw a concise Justin Herbert. 21 of 28, 212 and two tutties, 119 QB rating. Austin Eckler, there's, gonna, there's going to come a point where in that CMAC conversation, you're going to have to start to put Austin Eckler there. Buck 50 all-purpose, but almost a buck, yeah, buck 60 all-purpose. And he does it in such a different, he's not your traditional running back. And I think that's where people have had a hard time figuring him out. He's not the biggest guy. He, he keeps himself in great shape, but he's a dual threat in the truest sense of the word. He can catch the ball at the backfield. He can uh, attack at, he, he can attack the line of scrimmage and get yards that way, even tough yards at times. 12 yards a pop today. Can we talk about that? 12 yards a pop for your man's Austin Eckler. And that's just off 10 carries. Now, he did break one for 72 yards, so he did break a long one. But in regards to, he's been doing this all year. Like, let's, let's, let's look at his numbers real quick. <clears throat> he's battled through some injuries and whatnot. Let's see. Rushing, receiving. Yeah, he's got 13, almost, four, yeah, he's 1,400 all-purpose yards. Like, that's a lot, bruh. That's a lot. for. He's not going to be your traditional Derrick Henry. He's going to rush for 1,400 yards. But he can give you 1,400 yards all-purpose. Now, what, what would you take? 1,400 yards rushing? Just straight, you know, I-form, pro-style, you know, 1,400 yards rushing that way? Or having this dynamic playmaking ability, being Austin Eckler, and give you 700 rushing and another 800 receiving. Like, there's arguments for both, but I think in today's NFL, you would much rather have, as crazy as it sounds, on paper, in Madden, and every other scenario, you would much rather have Austin Eckler as your running back than Derrick Henry. Chargers take care of business. They move now to 10-6, and six, and if it wasn't for uh, Mahomes and them, they would be in the mix in terms of getting that division. But that was your 4 o'clock slate. Nothing much there from the Chargers. I think they took care of business. Um, let me just double-check the targets real quick. Just, you know how we do quick here. Let's see. Keenan Allen, ooh, six targets. Mike Williams, though, 10 targets. All right. I don't know who's, who's number one there. I know who the number one's supposed to be, but that'll be another, another stream for another day. So let's go ahead and move, move to the 1 o'clock games. There were some interesting ones, but we got to go to Tampa. Let's go to Tampa. Your man's the GOAT, y'all GOAT, avocado ice cream god, Thomas Brady. 34-45, three TDs. This team was dead. The Panthers had him. The Panthers, I feel so bad for Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes had it. He was right there. Steve Wilkes had it. And they were doing this despite Sam Darnold. Despite Stan, uh, Sam Darnold, despite having a rookie at left tackle, despite all of that, they were still up big on the Bucs late. In the, on the Bucs in the fourth quarter, on the road, potentially setting themselves up to win the NFC South. And then, I don't know if it was the hangover from uh, New, Year's, New Year's Eve or what have you, but Brady shook it off, and all of a sudden, Mike Evans was unstoppable. And did you know that Josh Norman is back in the league? I thought I saw a tweet early in the week, but I just thought someone was trolling. But no, Josh Norman is actually back in the league, and he got burnt. <laughs> he looked just like the Josh Norman I remember getting burnt by a physical receiver. And Mike Evans on that last touchdown, his third touchdown, made sure to uh, make sure that Josh Norman got some. Josh Norman, who apparently was a barista at his own coffee shop, when he got the call to pull up. Crazy. But anyway, he went out there and was part of a secondary that gave up uh, 207 yards and three touchdowns to Mike Evans. Uh, Chris Godwin had a good game, nine catches, a buck 20. So 12 targets for Mike Evans, 10 receptions, number one receiver. And another nine for Chris Godwin. 
Let's see here. Cade Otten. Otten? Otten? Not sure how you pronounce that. Six. Julio. Man, Julio. Julio's done, right? Yeah. I don't, I, I don't want to. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save that. Um, the interesting thing here from a Panthers perspective is that they went away from what worked. They are a run-first team. And you can see here on the stats, but if you watch the game, you can really get a sense for how, as much as I love DJ Moore, 10 targets, by the way, for DJ Moore, for DJ Moore, number one receiver. Um, Chuba Hubbard, they tried to use him more out the backfield because the running game wasn't working, but I don't think they actually stuck with the running game enough for, for my liking watching that game. Um, I didn't like that they just went away from it just because on the first few possessions, they really didn't get too much out of it, despite the fact that they were building up a lead. They were building up a lead in spite. They were building up a lead basically through the air instead of on the ground. And I think they got two pass happy, 37 attempts for Sam Darnold on the road against Tom Brady with a chance to steal the division, to put yourself in position to steal the NFC South. You go out there and allow Sam Darnold to tote the rock, to throw the rock, to chuck the rock 37 times. Steve Wilkes has been very good in cleaning house and accepting them clearly tanking and everything that goes along with that. But today might have been the first sign of like, ugh, this game was mismanaged late. Or maybe you just want to say, yo, at, at the end of the day, one team had Tom Brady and the other team didn't. I don't know if I'm going to go that far. I think one team had Mike Evans and other team didn't, even though I love DJ Moore, but he's just not the physical presence that Mike Evans is. Um, but Tampa Bay climbs off the deck and still steals one at the crib and clinches. That win clinched it, right? Let me make sure. Yeah, that win clinched the division. That loss was set up a bunch of scenarios where the Panthers or even the Saints could have climbed up and still like still that division, but they don't Brady finds a way to clinch yet another division. Um, yeah, but look, no one's worried about Tampa, right? No one's concerned about Tampa. If you're in the NFC, there's no way, you know, they'll get a home game, but let's see. But I think we do have the bracket, right? What, what, what would the bracket say? See, where's the bracket? I want to see who Tampa would play as of right now. Oh, Dallas. Oof. If the playoffs started today. Yikes. Look at these matchups. Let me see if I can pull this up here. If you're checking it out here on the stream on the replay live, uh, you'll see that we have the playoff bracket. If you're listening on the audio only version on the uh, DCMD podcast feed, I'll try to break this down right now. As of right now, the Eagles are clearly the number one seed. They would have the bye. The two seed is the 49ers. They would play Seattle right now in the wild card round as the two seed. The three seed is the Minnesota Vikings. As of right now, they will play the New York Giants. And then you have Tampa Bay as the four seed playing the Dallas Cowboys as the five seed. Very, very interesting. Because that seven seed is the one that's in flux because Detroit and Green Bay are still, quote, in the hunt. Washington has dropped off because, you know, Ron Rivera chose Carson Wentz over Taylor Heineke. Um, so that will be interesting to watch because I want to know what happens. Let me come off the screen here. Set this back up. Um, I'm going to be fascinated to see how teams play next week. A lot of things have been cemented, yet there's still a lot of tinkering that can be done seeding-wise. So it will be very interesting to see how that, how that plays out. But Carolina, so close, so close to stealing and setting up a chance to get that division. And I've been talking about it on the stream for a minute. Let's go back to that game against the Falcons. DJ Moore gets that penalty for taking his helmet off. If the ref does the right thing morally and ethically, Panthers could have been controlling their destiny. They might have already clinched the division, but that one game changed a lot of fortunes. <sighs> I, I, I don't know if I'll ever get over that.
that. I, I'm not. I'm not even a Panthers fan. I'm not even DJ Moore, and I just, I just hate to see a miscarriage of justice such as that. Okay. Whew, where do we go? All right, let's go to New England. Miami, tough spot. No tour, concussed. They throw Teddy B out there. Teddy B with the baby fro, it, it appeared, or at least from the bottom of the helmet, he had the fro sticking out the back of the helmet. Um, but when it comes right down to it, he he throws a pick and he gets hurt in the midst of the aftermath of, of throwing that pick. And Skylar Thompson comes off the deck and... You know, I'll, I'll pull the numbers up here for you so you can see it here. He pretty much did a Teddy B impression. Teddy B was 12 of 19, a buck 61, one touch, one tutty, one touch, one one uh, interception. Scott Thompson, 12 of 21, a buck 04, one touchdown, one interception. Same thing. Scott Thompson came in and did his best Teddy B impression. Um, where is this running game that Logic, Mike McDaniel, promised? Or did we jump the gun in assuming that because he came from the Shanahan tree, that that zone running scheme is just going to magically make its way down the South Beach and all these guys were just going to come in there and just start running and toting the rock crazy like they were ever since Shanahan, you know, touched down in, in the Bay. So Jeff Wilson Jr., he, he's been a spark at times. He's been looking like a lead back at times. But then you see the you see the number today, 15 for 45. That's. That's not going to get it done, especially when you're on the road and you have a chance to like, again, a lot of teams had a chance to control their destiny. And a lot of those teams tricked it off today and took L's. And, you know, Raheem Mosert shows some dynamic uh, playmaking ability out the backfield, something that they have not really tapped into all season long as a Raheem Mosert fantasy owner. Um, but it's interesting how they just refuse to run. These are 24 attempts if you combine Jeff Wilson's 15 and Raheem Mostert's 9. But you have to understand that some of those came in the second half when even though this score will tell you that it was a close game, Miami, to me, I never really felt Miami was in this game. This game always felt like the Patriots are just just going to find a way to win this game. And again, if you slide over to the Patriots, I mean, Mac Jones, 33 pass attempts, two touchdowns. And we need to talk about that Dolphins defense as much. And I've been trying to insinuate it here on on this live stream on the football kickback. As much as everyone goes crazy about, you know, Mike McDaniel, what he's done for this offense, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Tua, the running backs, all of that. The defense has clearly taken a step back with O'Brien Flores, clearly. And they got after it pretty well today. If you look at these numbers, you would think, oh, wow, they, they were pressing the issue. They got some sacks. But if you watch that game, again, that secondary is supposed to be, it was type t- top tier under Brian Flores. It hasn't looked like that this year. I know Xavier Howard's battled through injuries and, and things of that nature, but you you some teams you just have to put out of their misery. The Patriots were so bad in the preseason that Mac Jones was like openly questioning the the direction of what the coordinators were doing and the coordinators in terms of their uh, defensive coordinator turned offensive coordinator, Matt Patricia. He was openly critiquing play calls in preseason, saying guys are, are out of alignment, guys are confused, so on and so forth. You let that offense essentially control the game. You have Tyreek Hill, seven targets. You have Jalen Waddle, five targets. You can't let Raheem Mosert and Jeff Wilson Jr. out-target Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Now, I know you can give me the narrative of, well, Belichick always takes away your best threat. Yeah, and sometimes that doesn't work too. Sometimes he can't scheme his way out of just being out-talented. And I think today should have been a day where the Dolphins have more talent on offense than the Patriots do on defense. Yet somehow, some way, I'm assuming through scheme, I'm, I'm assuming through smoke and mirrors, they found a way. It's pretty incredible when you come to think about it. 
how they do it week in, week out, I, I don't know. So now the Patriots, with that win, put themselves in a position where if the playoffs started today, they would be in the wild card and they would play Buffalo. I believe, if we want to look this up here, now, they did not clinch, correct? No, they did clinch. Okay, so they did clinch. It's just a whole bunch of scenarios in terms of where the seeding could end up. Let me see. Maybe if I refresh, they'll give us a little bit more of a dynamic layout here. Patriots in the hunt. So they did not clinch. Okay, so if you saw that here, just a second ago on NFL.com, it said the Patriots clinched a playoff spot. I thought that was a little weird because I didn't know that. But now they have them as not clinching a playoff spot. And now they have them back to just being uh, the seventh seed as of right now, but not clinch a playoff spot, which I thought, which is accurate because I was out of it and surprising. Okay. Doing this thing live, this is the stuff you get here. So Yahoo somehow still has the, uh, yeah, it's, it's a few conflicting reports on websites, but I'll go with NFL.com. They're saying the Patriots didn't clinch. We're going to roll with that. Uh, let's see. So let's go to, do we want to go to Philly? Do we want to give the Giants their props? Nope. Let's go down to Washington. Oh, man. I've been insinuating it. And let me change up the look here just a little bit. Give me a second. Let's go here with it. All right. So, uh, Masseuse man had three touchdowns and shout out to, Ooh, don't want to do this on the fly. Uh, okay. Don't want to do this on the fly. Cause I think it might be some NFL footage and we don't want that on the stream here. So you're going to have to do some work here. Uh, I will leave the tweet in my com community section. So after this, whether you're watching this live on the replay, if you want to see the tweet, I'm about to reference check in, uh, the, my community section on DCMD. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. What it comes down to is that uh, the masseuse man was out here through, throwing three touchdowns. He had a real nice dime to Amari Cooper late in the game um, as well to kind of clinch the game. But, you know, the NFL, you know, they, they, the Shield puts out their tweets, their social media stuff. And all three touchdowns that the masseuse man threw, you didn't see the masseuse man. You might have saw them very briefly. There are screenshots to prove this. So whether it was a, a missive sent down from the shield of we're not, good, we're not doing anything to promote masseuse man. Mr. Rub, Rub and Tug, we're not, we're not doing anything to promote him. So he goes out there and throws three touchdowns. Nick Chubb, a buck 04. Uh, Mari Cooper, only four targets. That's weird. Uh, but again, I mean, man's man's only had nine completions. So a weird game from an offensive standpoint. And uh, the masseuse man came out uh, leading up to this game and said this season, the, the outcome. He struggled, right? He has struggled this year. And for obvious reasons, we know why it's hard to be off the deck for two years and come out after a 12 game suspension and start, you know, throwing the ball all over the place accurately and on time with precision. But he's looked really bad the last couple of weeks. And he's come out and said, nothing that gets done this season will impact this next season. Essentially, it's not about this season. It's about next season. We knew this season was going to be a cluster F because of the fact that he was going to miss over three quarters of it. So it's about next year. This is just to get my legs up underneath him. And then uh, this is about moving forward next year and trying to, you know, get some better rapport with Amari Cooper and Joku, things of that nature. But let's get to these commanders. Oh, your man, Riverboat Ron Rivera. He's got some explaining to do. Carson Wentz should not be a starting quarterback in this league. What more does he need to see? What is he? What isn't he seeing in Taylor Heineke that he thinks he's seeing in Carson Wentz? I have no idea. I don't know what Ron Rivera is seeing in Carson Wentz that he can't get in Taylor Heineke. Heineke and this, I think I actually can pull up the stat. 
give me a second. Or I might just, no, we can do this on the fly. Let's see if we can get this here. Boom, boom, boom. Copy and paste. Give me a second. Give me a second. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, that's not going to work. Okay. Let me get off that then. All right. We'll go back to that for now. Let me come off the screen here. I, I want, I want y'all to see this because I, I think it's worth, it's, it's worth the wait here. Give me a second. Let me find this tweet and make sure it's right and it's formatted and all that type of good stuff. Um, there we go. There was a tweet that broke down how bad uh, Heineke, how bad Carson Wentz has been as opposed to Heineke. There was offensive rankings of where the commander stood with Heineke as the starter and with um, Carson Wentz as the starter. And it's, 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 worth, it's worth your time. It's worth your time as soon as they allow me to pull this up. The tweet is right there. Why won't they let me? Okay. All right. I just need to find that tweet. Thank you. There it is. All right. Finally. Oh, the Elon app. The Elon app is so much easier to navigate. Don't you agree? All right. Stand by. Boom. Okay. So let me make sure this is formatted correctly. See how that looks. All right, cool. So the commanders, they ranked ninth in win percentage, 19th in offensive points per game, 12th in yards per game, 19th in drive score percentage. With Carson Wentz as the QB, they are tied for 21st in win percentage. They are 28th in offensive points per game. They are 24th in yards per game, and they are dead last, 32nd in drive score percentage. Yet and still, Ron Rivera keeps going back to Carson Wentz. What is he seeing? In the guy on the right, if you're watching this on YouTube, live on a replay, what is he seeing in Carson Wentz, who is dead last in drive score percentage? towards the bottom in yards per game and offensive points per game. And then you have Heineke. I'm not saying he's setting the world on fire, but he's certainly not dead last. Okay. He's 19th. He's middle of the pack, which is what Taylor Heineke is, which is all this team actually needs. When you see the weapons that they have unearthed, when you have uh, your man's Brian Robinson Jr. When you have Terry McLaurin, Dotson, Logan Thomas is a solid tight end. Like, there's weapons here. Samuels in the slot. Like, there's weapons there. They just need a mid-QB to get them going. And Carson Wentz, who was once thought to be an MVP candidate for a hot second, is not even mid. He's washed. He's done. Ron Rivera is tricking this season off. He's tricking playoff spots off, and they're now officially eliminated. Officially eliminated. And I feel for that roster. That roster was, was finding a way. And when you have a roster that's gone through injuries, they haven't even had Chase Young. They just got Chase Young back. That's just, yeah. I feel bad for them. I feel bad for them. Terry McLaurin, five, carry, uh, five targets today. Dotson, seven targets today. Logan Thomas, seven targets. I mean, get Carson Wentz out of here. I, Carson Wentz should not start another NFL game for the rest of his career. He should be on Joe Flacco status. Like, it, it, it's, it's time. It's time for Flacco. It's time. Bury him. He's done. Okay, Kansas City, Denver. The Chiefs just keep letting teams hang around. They, they play with fire. Thankfully, they have who I think is the MVP of this league in Patrick Mahomes, and he just keeps finding ways. And Jarek McKinnon, and I'll put up the other screen share here, Jarek McKinnon keeps finding ways, and I've been asking, who's going to be that second guy? Who's going to be that receiver to offset what Travis Kelsey can do? Who's going to be that dynamic playmaker guy? And right now, it's Jarek McKinnon. You know, Kelsey, 10 targets, because you would expect that, because he is the number one receiver for this team. But who's going to be the second person? 
and it's been Jarek McKinnon as of late, I would say over the last month and change, that's been stepping up, and he just seems to score touchdowns. In the red zone, they use him a lot. He's, he's very dynamic. Like I said last week on the, on the live stream, he has a lot of Tyreek Hill in him, but let's not go crazy. But in terms of how they use him, they use him very similar to Tyreek Hill. So Jarek McKinnon and his offense. This, the Chiefs are going to go as far as his offense takes, takes them. They're going to go as far as Patrick Mahomes can take them. Yeah, that's what this team is built around. That's who this franchise is built around. That's who the scheme is built around. And it's really just becoming more and more clear. I mean, you know, Valdez Gantling gets another seven targets today. Uh, man, Kadarius Tony was dusted off today. That was nice to see. Um, they try to even use him in the in the red zone a little bit. Uh, he fumbled a pump return. Well, he fumbled a pump return, right? He fumbled somewhere. I f- forgot I was f- flipping around on red zone and I ca- caught the tail end of him fumbling somewhere. But this team will go as far as Patrick Mahomes can take them. I still think that's very far. I think that can potentially be a Super Bowl, but it just a lot of things need to break right for them. A lot of things. And that's what scares me from that perspective is you don't want to have to have a lot of things break right for you to get to a Super Bowl. It can happen. You can have a fluke year. But if you have a team that has Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey on it, you don't want to be in that situation where the only way we can confidently make a Super Bowl is if we have everything break exactly right. Don't want that. All right. Philly and New Orleans. Um, Gardner Minshew. I don't know what happened between last week when you put up 30 plus and this week. But you need to figure something out. Hopefully Jalen Hurts is coming back. Devonta Smith, 13 targets, number one receiver. A.G. Brown, nine targets. Uh, I would have liked to see him a little bit more than that. Dallas Goddard, like the numbers look better than what, than how Gardner Minshew actually played. He was really bad today. Gardner Minshew was really bad today. And that Eagles defense, I keep asking, what is the identity of that defense? Uh, they gave up some runs today. I didn't like that. Um, they, I mean, they made Andy Dalton look okay at times. I definitely did not like that. Um but, you know, they, they they get the sacks when they need to. They force the turnover when they need to. They very much play dangerously. It's been a while since the Eagles had just put a team away and just dominated a team from start to finish. It's been a while. So I don't know. They're certainly not peaking at the right time. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, if they decide to dust off Jalen Hurts next week or even if they if they hold on to number one seed and get that bye and they don't, he doesn't play until the divisional round, which will be a home game, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. It really is because I don't know what to expect from this uh, Eagles team because they just haven't looked fluid for about three weeks to a month. Jacksonville takes care of business. Like I mentioned earlier, there were some people in the stadium allegedly saying that uh, the Texans looked like they were a team that was hungover. Lovey. What's going on out there in H-Town? Yeah, I'm not going to get too crazy on this. Travis NTM was running wild at times. um, 12 yards of carry. (laughs) Evan Ingram. How you feel, Giants fans? Evan Ingram actually looks competent. Uh, Look, Trevor Lawrence did what he was supposed to do. It was not a good game by any stretch, but they took care of business. Sometimes you just need to go out there and take care of business. And the Texans are a team that's not trying to win despite them coming off a win. Um, so, you know, you go out there and you beat them down 31-3. That's what you're supposed to do. So I'm, I'm not going to go too crazy on the Jaguars as we wrap it up here and finish up the 1 o'clock slate. And we finish up the 1 o'clock slate with, uh, nope, we got two games. So we got the Giants and the Colts. Look, salute to the Giants. Like I said earlier, I think they, they should have went 12-5 and five with the schedule that they have. Right now they sit at 9-6-1, and one, and they clinched a playoff berth. And with that schedule, they should. Um, Because they still have enough talent. Saquon has remained upright. Daniel Penny's has not been awful. He's just been mid. You know, this team is not that great. They'll be a quick out in the playoffs. But salute to them for doing what they were supposed to do, taking the easiest schedule in the league and being able to make the playoffs with it and not being beset by injuries to their key player, which is Saquon Barkley. And Thibodeau is an absolute monster on defense, I wonder if they're going to uh, kill him for him celebrating and doing snow angels when there was one, no snow, and two, after hurting Nick Foles. I was a uh, little, little, I'm, I'm waiting to see if he gets uh, roasted 
or that I think the the fanfare of the Giants making the playoffs will make people forget that. But yeah, your man Thibodeau was out there doing snow angels where one there was no snow, and two after he just hurt Nick Foles, who was laying there like shaking on the ground, looked like he was almost convulsing. Very very awkward type situation where like dude dude you're not you're not sensing what's going on here. Man's convulsing right next to you, and you're doing snow angels where there's no snow. Anyway. The Lions, this is the last game. The Lions take care of business. They beat up on the Bears. The Bears are doing a great job at just losing games to making sure they get a top two, top three pick. Um, They definitely should should take a receiver because Justin Fields is too damn dynamic to have to run for 132 yards uh, week in, week out. He needs some help. It will not be Chase Claypool, even though they were able to get him active today. Cole Komet, I mean, sure. If you think that's some something, then all right. Uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown's brother. I used to know how to say this name. I, I'm not going to try to pronounce that name. Um, yeah, the Bears just have no weapons. The Bears are bereft of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Meanwhile, you have the Lions who are just the opposite. They have a mid-QB at Jared Goff, and they have surrounded him with nothing but weapons. So you see how the Bears have Justin Fields, and he has literally no one to, to get the rock to outside of Cole Komet, if you believe in him. But then you go to Jared Goff, and he's surrounded with DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams in the backfield, who go for 220-plus yards rushing, both of them with touchdowns. Then they caught Jamison Williams. I don't know, if well, was that an end around on, on Jamison Williams? He, he busted off a run for 40-plus. So that's damn near 250 yards, 250, 260 yards rushing for the uh, Detroit Lions, and then passing the ball. Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Chark, even Khalif Raymond was able to do some things. And, you know, Jamison Williams, this team is going to be scary next year. Even if they still have Jared Goff, there's too many weapons for this offense to, to not be able to keep up this pace next year. So the, 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 the Lions are going to be a team to look for next year, even though this division is going to be crazy. Because let's say the Bears find a way to get whether it's with the second or the third overall pick, if they find a way to get a dynamic playmaker at the number two spot, an offensive playmaker at the number two spot, that that offense should do should do numbers. I'm assuming they'll get Darnell Mooney back at some point. I would like to think Chase Claypool with the investment they made in the trade of giving up a second round pick that they'll be able to find a way to figure out things for him. Uh, to be able to contribute to this offense. So if you add one real receiver, one true bona fide number one receiver to Donner Mooney, who will probably won't get back until around this time next year, sadly, unless he's miraculously uh, is able to bounce back. And then Chase Claypool. I think there was a receiver you saw yesterday in the college football playoff who should be a Chicago Bear next year. I won't say who it is. I will save that for when we get closer to draft time and see if that comes to fruition. But there was a receiver I saw yesterday playing um, in a college football playoff that should be a Chicago Bear next year. And I would take him at number two or number three if they had that pick. So that will do it for the slate. That's all the games, all the one o'clock and all the four o'clock. Let's do one last refresh to make sure uh, NFL.com didn't switch up nothing. Okay, so this is your AFC picture. Everything looks to be status quo. Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, Ravens are the top four teams. After, uh, top five teams, excuse me. Um, no, hold on. Yeah, they're doing this weird here. Let me go to Yahoo. Yahoo has a little bit more straight now. Okay, yeah. And plus they have the updated in the hunt. Let me just get this lined up here. Might have to zoom out. If they allow me, let's see what they allow me. Okay. Yahoo's being funny. Anyway, so take my word for it. They have the uh, Buffalo as the number two seed going up against New England. Uh, Number three seed is Cincinnati against the Chargers. Four seed Jacksonville against the five seed Baltimore. Baltimore is playing right now, as you see there. Um, let me scroll down as you see there. Pittsburgh with an early 3-0 lead, and they are at the end of the first quarter, so that's why we'll be wrapping up here. Um, and then in the NFC, it's a very, very uh, wide open, wide open playoffs because with the way Phillies looked 
And we don't know what condition Jalen Hurts is going to be in when he comes back. The 49ers are a two-seed with a dynamic defense, despite what you saw for them today. But then again, they have Brock Purdy, and we don't know if Debo Samuels is coming back. Three-seed is the Minnesota Vikings, but it's Kirk Cousins. And your man's Justin Jefferson got out there today, fresh off of getting 16 targets. He only had five and only had one catch. That's a problem. Then you have the four seed at Tampa Bay, so they'll get a home game, but it's Tampa Bay. And Tom Brady is old as hell, and he's doing it with smoke and mirrors. Unless he has rekindled his connection with Mike Evans, and that's going to be a thing, I don't know how you could be confident in Tampa Bay. Then you have Dallas. Dallas can go into Tampa Bay, into Raymond James, and get a dub. And if you look at at how this this bracket tree works out, if you're Dallas, you might want to stay right where you're at. We can beat Tampa on the road. Then if we have to face the winner of Minnesota and the Giants, assuming it's Minnesota, if I'm Dallas, I like my chances against Minnesota. Now, I'm riding into the NFC Championship game and it's most likely going to be facing the winner of Philadelphia and San Francisco. And if I'm Dallas, I like my chances against either one of those teams. So Dallas might be the big, the biggest winner today. But that could all change if Green Bay, if that man's Rodgers finds a way to sneak in there. If he finds a way, if you're now, if it's San Francisco Green Bay, that's not a cakewalk for the 49ers. That could shake things up. Then you're talking about the, the Eagles facing off against Green Bay. That's not a cakewalk for the Eagles. The Green Bay Packers can throw a wrench into a lot of NFC powerhouses plans. If the Lions sneak in there, nothing changes. If Seattle's able to hold on to the seventh seed, nothing changes. But if the Green Bay Packers, who had a 1% chance of making the playoffs a few months ago, claw their way into that seventh spot, that's a game changer. That's an absolute game changer. Come off the screen here. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. I am the Sam D. This has been week 17 of the football kickback. I recap all the NFL action. Subscribe to the channel. Throw a like, whether you're watching this live or on the replay. Share it. You know, donation link is down there in the bottom of the, of the description. And I will be here again next week. And I'm going to see if I can take this thing, this, these live recaps, all the way through to even the Super Bowl. We'll see. But I'll definitely be here for week 18. I'll definitely be here for the first couple of rounds of the playoffs. And then we'll see what happens from there. So for me, the Sam D, thank you for tuning in to the football kickback. I'll holler at you next week. Peace.